0: enough's enough eliminate weight cutting from the sport simple hydration test at weigh-ins why hasn't UFC done this
1: hydration test everyone
0: hydration tests now no weight would this stop is what
1: weight one championship
2: gets hydration tests test test like test and just uh, hydration test. Test. It's and the walking
3: weight,
1: a weight weight classes UFC is just waiting
0: for someone to die remember how it works but there's some sort of a system where they stop you from weight cutting
4: yeah so it's really simple you do hydration and you do weight On the scale, same time. Every MMA organization should do it.
0: There's been a ton of solutions thrown at the problem of dangerous weight cutting over the years. Some say day of weigh-ins, others say more weight classes, random fight camp testing, any number of ideas really. But one solution has emerged above all else, even getting official approval from the Colorado State Athletic Commission in the United States this year, hydration testing. Simply test a fighter's hydration level so that they can't possibly dehydrate themselves in a weight cut effectively banning weight cuts forever? Well, it would appear things are not so simple. Since its implementation in 2015, there have been a lot of questions about how effective a program like this can actually be. But as of now, there's been few answers. So today, that's what I've set on a path to do. I've interviewed commissioners, fighters, PhD physiologists, pro-level nutritionists, and won championship themselves. And frankly, what I found was beyond surprising
2: the usage of hydration testing especially urine testing in trying to regulate weight cutting it is a unanimous bad
0: like a unanimous negative for every single person involved i'm jason from mma on point and today i'm looking into one championship's answer to weight cutting On December 11th, 2015, a man by the name of Yan being tragically died cutting weight for one championship, and as a result, the organization was forced to make a change and test a fighter's hydration level to prevent the insane amount of dehydration that fighters subject themselves to in order to be bigger on fight night against their opponent.
4: Hydration
3: testing and some of the other methods that are ostensibly used by one championship often get bandied about as the weight-cutting panacea, as the solution that has already arrived, to which I reply, how do you know? How do you know that's true?
2: Under the impression that nobody cuts weight in one FC and they do hydration tests because of it, etc. Um, I talked to, to multiple guys there that were, were cutting weight and um, it is what
0: it is, so and with their US debut happening soon in Colorado. So fittingly, I felt this was the logical place to start asking questions. Let's ask the people who really know about this subject matter. And this is where I started. But the commissions themselves were frankly a shit show. For Colorado, they just sent me a standard response. My hopes to speak with California and Andy Foster went nowhere. And the exact same with Nevada. Pretty much nothing at all. You gotta love the system, don't you? And just when I was starting to get really disheartened trying to get through to anyone, that's when I finally got a hit. I just kind of gave up and asked people on Twitter what they knew and how I could get a hold of somebody. My buddy Jonathan replied with the Kansas Commission's Twitter, and sure enough, they were ready to do a video interview. Not bad considering they adopted live scoring in their state and were even one of the first commissions to actually adopt early WANs, which has since Become standard across the United States.
3: Uh, my name is Adam Warbuck. I was the head of the Kansas Athletic Commission for seven years and uh, now I work in regulatory affairs for Bare Knuckle Body Championship.
0: So, what did he think about one's hydration system then? I love what they're trying to do and I think they're trying
3: to do it the right way and they've found some difficulties with it, <laughs> as there will be when you're trying to change is never. You know, go back to Jurassic Park. Change is never easy. It's always violent. Let's get in there and really fix what the problem is. And that's the fighters getting to dehydrate.
0: All right, now that's great. So how do we move forward with this? What would it take to actually get done? Well,
3: commissions are so different. And unless you've worked on this side of it, it's kind of hard to understand. You know, all every commission in the United States is autonomous. No licenses, permits. You know, every state does it differently. It's kind of like entering someone's house. <laughs> like, you know, you're being invited into someone's house, and you have to follow their rules. As technology catches up, I will hope. I would hope within the next five years
0: that we do have something. Wait, five years? What? I mean, people that are longtime fans of this system know it's really bad, but this is really frustrating to hear. But even still, I don't think you could have had a more glowing endorsement of a system. Adam Rohrbach has no ties to one as a regulator, so that's a pretty quality reference to have. Meanwhile, I know hydration testing has been done before outside of MMA and in the United States. I needed to speak with someone who knew this subject matter really well and has seen it work in other systems like he experienced in collegiate wrestling. That is former UFC fighter who was actually at one point directly mentioned by Demetrius Johnson for a future title shot,
5: Jose Shorty Torres. The reason why they started hydration tests in college wrestling, because in 1997, three college wrestlers died. I believe there were like two 18 year olds and a 19 year old. And they would, and this is why like saunas and, and sauna suits are illegal in college wrestling and high school wrestling, because these kids decided to wear sauna tops, go inside the sauna, which sounds pretty normal because you see all the UFC fighters doing it. And they decided to take a bike or, you know, decide to work out in there. The only problem is they're alone. They're by themselves. You know, we're tough, you know, hard-headed wrestlers. And these kids died of heart attacks, heat strokes, you know, heat exhaustion, dehydration. Especially in high school and college, no one teaches us. And even in the professional realm. I mean, yeah, we can make fun and jokes about all these people missing weight and stuff like that. But no offense, no one taught us. In the beginning of the season, they go, hey, we're going to not just see how uh, the hydration test works, but also fat check you to see how much weight you can cut per week so you can make a certain weight. So it only allows you to cut so much weight. So again, not just hydration test to see if you're hydrated in the beginning of the season, but to go, okay, cool. We're going to fat check you and see if you're hydrated. If you fail the hydration test, you don't even get to the fat test that they, they don't even allow it. Well,
0: one doesn't also include body fat percentage tests like they did in the NCAA, it was naturally all for the idea of hydration testing in one and their implementation in the United States this year.
5: One FC is on it when it comes to hydration tests. I just don't know if they do the the fat tests as well, but so far they're the only promotion that's doing that. I think that's the correct thing to do, especially when you have fighters, again, TJ Dillashaw or all these guys that take that risk of cutting down These guys go in and now they take a beating because they're they're just not themselves.
0: But I really needed to go deeper than this, move beyond the perspectives that we kind of already know and really look into the science. What did that have to say? Over the summer, we brought in a terrific nutritionist by the name of Tom Coughlin, who did some really great breakdowns around this very topic on our secondary channel called Fight Front because, well, he actually does this for a living.
1: My name's Tom Coughlin. I'm a performance nutritionist. I've done an undergraduate degree and a postgraduate degree, and I'm registered with the British Dietetics Association. I've worked in elite sport for approximately six years now, across a range of different sports and number of different athletes across all ages, weights, sizes, all sorts.
0: And when I talked to him, I expected him to say a lot of the similar things that we heard around hydration testing. Maybe he'd share some transparency questions that I had about one system at most, but nothing was like what I actually heard. So you can
1: influence hydration testing results. For example, if you drink loads of water beforehand, you can really dilute your urine and it might make you look like you're more hydrated. Alternatively, there are some foods and some certain things that you can take into your diet that can influence the reliability and validity of these tests.
0: And while my interest was totally piqued by this comment, it was at the end of an already an hour and a half long interview. We were just totally out of time. So when I began working on this very topic at the end of 2022, Tom was the very first person on my mind to reach out to for an educated perspective. Turns out he was actually working on his own video on the topic. So I immediately suggested we hop on a call to discuss what his findings were versus what mine were and see how we could perhaps link up.
1: From an outside perspective, you do think they must be doing something really good here, something positive. All the athletes seem to, you know, speak quite uh, positively about it and um, all these bits and pieces. But actually, when you delve into the kind of testing that they're doing, a bit of the sort of lack of transparency that goes on with their data.
0: So let's start with the basics. What exactly is a urine test measuring by scientific standards?
1: One is uh, so urine specific gravity test. It's uh, they want
0: their fighters to be
1: less than 1.025 on that
0: and this is what i heard from the commissioner that i mentioned before as well shorty torres in terms of how it's done the ncaa and kansas do their tests a little different from one the former actually uses testing strips and so a testing strip is considered to be a little less rigorous than what one championship uses which is a refractometer From what I'm told, this example is very similar to what one uses. But either way, everything we're talking about here seems to be tracking. They're the same numbers. It all sounds pretty similar. As I asked further, though, things might be a little more complicated than that.
1: I'm not sure if you know the Fight Science podcast. It's Jordan Sullivan. So he's a prominent uh, dietitian. works with uh, Adesanya Volkanovsky. So he had an academic on and he was like, I've just written this paper, and I don't know where one championship have got this cutoff from. Urine-specific gravity seems to be the most sensitive to false positives. If someone's got, let's say, high muscle mass as well, they're gonna be having naturally higher protein turnover in the body. So people that are naturally bigger, leaner, someone like, a, let's say, a Paolo Costa, or I don't know, Francis Ngannou, because the protein turnover that's happening in the body is so much more increased,
0: so you're just getting more waste fluid coming out. Okay, so it's a lot more complicated than that. But then he went a step further. Not only was his research finding that there could be a susceptibility for inaccurate results, but there were actually some believed methods to, well, cheat. Certain medications, like uh,
1: lithium, that can naturally reduce urine-specific gravity losing weight, sweating out, so reducing your body weight, but then drinking a little bit of distilled or pure water. And because you're doing that process, that makes it look as though you're more hydrated than you actually are.
0: If it's really that easy to fool a test, why are we all of a sudden seeing a bunch of misses as of late at one weigh-ins? I mean, if you guys haven't seen it, we've had as many as eight, nine on a single card fail, including title fights.
1: And I think that is mainly due to the implementation of their anti-doping program. They just applied the WADA code. So that refers to prohibited substances and methods. So they can't use IVs anymore. They can't use diuretics anymore. So from January to August of last year, there were 15 weight misses out of 163 total fights so that's 9.2 percent after the anti-doping rules were implemented there were 23 misses out of 124 bouts so that doubles to
0: 18.5%. And specifically on this topic, I should point out Tom's video has already been made. I'll leave a link in our description to his video below so you guys can all check that out. But he posted this graph showing the correlation he found once this PED system was implemented. It's something I'm not looking to explore as I got distracted with something else entirely, which you guys will see, but that's a big reason why I would recommend watching his video so you can find out more about that.
1: And that's when you're sort of playing around with uh, electrolyte balance in the body. And that's where there's real danger, because if your electrolytes become too diluted, one of the potential uh, risk factors there are hyponatremia, which is water toxicity and people can actually die from that.
0: Well, wait, did he just say death? Because that is not at all the kind of thing I thought I'd hear on this call. But I was absolutely blown away by what I was hearing. Reading up on the subject matter became completely necessary at this point, just so I could even wrap my head around this. I first came across a work entitled Reviewing the Current Methods of Assessing Hydration in Athletes, and this sounded like a pretty solid place to start considering it research what Tom Coughlin was alluding to, what might work, what definitely doesn't, and a detailed breakdown of those methods. The key thing to have taken away from this paper is that, well, in Dr. Oliver Barley's estimation, who is the lead researcher here and his colleagues who collaborated with him on assessing these hydration testing methods for athletes, none of these methods were found to be effective in testing hydration in athletes for sport. Let me repeat that, none. In fact, the research concluded, and I quote, "'Any single assessment of hydration status is problematic." and, quote, despite a substantial body of research, no clear best practice guidelines exist for the assessment of hydration in athletes. And it was around this point that I decided to check in with Tom to see what he thought about some of the work I was reading here. And sure enough, Oliver Barley was the scientist's name he was trying to remember during our call with Jordan Sullivan. And at that point, it was like a total eureka moment. I clicked on his Google Scholar listing and found that there was everything from writing about NCAA collegiate wrestling in the United States and the problem the research was finding in that system to Combat Sport athletes athletes and sure enough hydration testing in mixed martial arts it was at this moment i knew i needed to interview this guy he'd by far researched more on this topic than anyone else in combat sports specifically there was a faculty email attached so i first hit him up there before discovering he had an active twitter account It was there that I realized he's not just some researcher out there who found this topic morbidly curious, but he's a huge fan of the sport and even appeared to train a bit himself. So I decided to reach out to him through Twitter DMs as well and within a couple hours I got a response.
2: My name is Oliver Barley, Um, I'm a lecturer in exercise physiology at Edith Cowan University in Western Australia. My academic history is, you know, I did my bachelor's degree in exercise and sports science. I then went on to do a master's in research. I'm um, in exercise physiology. I then did a PhD in exercise physiology as well. Um, I also have a competitive history in combat sports. I've, I've fought kickboxing, MMA, um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I've just generally really loved combat sports my entire life since my granddad showed me um pretty sure old muhammad ali footage and as a kid i was like this this is the greatest
0: okay so pleasantries aside i just wanted to understand this a bit more and i wanted to get right to the point what was his take on the effectiveness of one's hydration testing
2: um not good The, the problem is is that everybody wants simple answers to complicated questions and hydration testing is a relatively simple answer to what people think is a simple problem, but it's actually an extremely complicated problem. I'm not convinced that urinary test, hydration testing is a great measure in almost any situation, but I'm extremely not convinced that it's useful in the case of weight cutting. Mm-hmm. All of these hydration tests were not designed for someone who is going to specifically aggressively dehydrate themselves and then rehydrate themselves quite quickly. The vast majority of these tests are usually designed for people in a hospital system.
0: And the number of the cutoff limit, which I've confirmed with one, is at 1.025. Remember, that's the number that says you are too dehydrated to compete. These cutoff limits,
2: it is really hard to know where they come from. For example, typically 1.02 or above is considered dehydrated in a USG test. One championship, I believe, uses 1.025. I don't know where these numbers came from. They're relatively arbitrary. If we pulled in 100 people off the street, my guess is 40% of them would probably fail a urinary hydration test. They'd be caught dehydrated. People typically walk around according to a urinary test with at least some mild to moderate degree of dehydration. Now, the question is, is everyone dehydrated or is this not a useful marker? It could be some combination of both, but it certainly wouldn't be a test that I would be using for something as important as regulated weight cutting. The thing that confuses me the most is that they had years Where I was not aware of a single fight being cancelled due to urinary hydration test failing, which to me is so unbelievable that I don't even know how to describe it.
0: Okay, so that didn't sound too great. His writing and research didn't seem very positive on something like blood testing, but it was during this discussion that the conversation took a truly wild turn. I mean, batshit crazy turn. And honestly, what he said next just made my jaw hit the floor. There's a
2: key issue that we haven't discussed here, which is these are all in situations when the athletes are being honest. I'm happy to be open with this. I think ultimately this is an important thing for moving the conversation and fighter safety. I've been involved in helping people trick this test, and it has not been difficult at all.
0: Okay, pause. In this moment, I needed to be absolutely sure that he knew he was being recorded and this was all on the record.
2: Do not care, do not care on the record. So before I tell it, I have to put a disclosure out, which is that people should be making safe weight cuts. You should not use this trick to cut large amounts of weight. As much as someone might counterpoint me and say, well, that's very irresponsible of me to make that information public. The fact is huge amounts of these athletes are doing it anyway. And as these tests get bigger and bigger, people are going to work out how to do it. Me telling everyone how to do it just rips that Band-Aid off and moves us away from an ineffective solution and tries to make us do something more productive. And I've helped a good number of athletes make weight much safer. And there are dietitians the uh, nutritionists and dietitians in the field right now who are specifically working in this area who are really useful and really good at that. And we're finding that these people can implement effective diet, salt and fiber cuts close to the way in that are almost zero negative effects. Now, tricking the test, super easy. So basically, let's start urine. So your body actually doesn't have a direct way to measure all the fluid in your body what it does is it goes off concentration of key solutes and let's just say the electrolytes when you sweat you sweat out fluid and electrolytes as you sweat out fluid and electrolytes your blood becomes more concentrated so a greater amount of electrolytes per unit of blood now as that concentration goes up your kidneys go we're dehydrated Let's start conserving fluid. happy days. and then the urine becomes more concentrated and you're testing that urine. Now the thing is if when you rehydrate, if you rehydrate with distilled water to make it even even less things inside it, you put the fluid back in, but not the electrolytes. So then the concentration of your blood really plummets and the kidneys actually think you're overhydrated. And they start emptying urine out, and the fluid come, and the urine comes out clear. So, you can take advantage of that in two ways with a urine test. And then they let's use an example and just say 600 grams. And then they would drink 600 milliliters of distilled water. If you've just peed before, the water will then your kidneys go. Oh, look, we're actually overhydrated. It will then filter out more clear urine, and you'll pass the test. The other option is to pee before, immediately before you start the cut, and then drink like a 600 to a litre of distilled water, and then do your cut and don't pee. Hold the pee in your bladder, and that pee will be overhydrated. You just hold it, make the weight, then pee into the cup, and bada bing, bada boom, you've tripped the test. It's ridiculously easy. Currently, I'm batting 100% at getting people to trick the test. It's like super easy. I have have an instruction thing that I have on my phone that I just copy and paste and send it to them whenever anyone asks me.
0: Holy shit. By the way, this works with blood testing too, apparently. So then my next question was, how big are the names he helped to get around the test? Would we know them? He wasn't at liberty to give specifics, but... I would be shocked if even a minority, a decent minority of people are doing those tests honestly. Because the trick is so easy. So yeah, big names. Quote. So yeah, big names. My God, if this test is so easy to fool, then the same question I had for Tom. Why are we seeing so many failed tests at recent events? I also
2: think it is likely the ones who are getting caught are not who are not are not the ones who are trying to trick it. Oh, because at the end of the day, if you don't try to trick the test, there's actually a semi-decent there's actually a good chance that you'll be declared dehydrated, even if you're not is more likely to falsely call you dehydrated than falsely call you hydrated.
0: And he would go on further to say that there are way more issues than just being able to fool the test. And I also think people are likely to make larger weight cuts so that they
2: can trick these tests. So we're getting bigger weight cuts now, which is the risk. But we have to remember that this trick Comes with these tricks come with a cost, which is that you're obviously altering your electrolytes, which poses a health risk of people having low sodium in their blood and people can die from that. In my estimation, right now, the usage of hydration testing, especially urine testing, in trying to regulate weight cutting is a
0: unanimous bad, like a unanimous negative. And I would say his thoughts on one's hydration testing programs could be summed up like this. People don't really
2: trust one championship's wave cutting policy, I think, as a public image overall. I think they do see it as very dubious. Now, if it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, walks like a duck, it's probably a duck.
0: At this point, though, I don't think we have a complete picture here. While I was conducting these interviews with Jose Torres, Adam from Kansas's commission, both of whom were very much for One's hydration testing system, and of course Tom and Oliver were their academic backgrounds who were less than enthusiastic about it all. We did have a bit of a balance here for both sides, but not really. I needed to chat with someone directly inside the organization, someone who was from One themselves. So I decided to reach out to one's PR team with a request for interview, and they were incredibly accommodating. I wasn't sure who I'd be able to get on video, but considering Rich Franklin has perhaps been the biggest face of their hydration program, and I'd seen him talk extensively on the topic, just made a ton of sense to interview him. And luckily enough, we were able to arrange a half hour call. Sammy, before we get started here, because
4: he's recording,
0: how does my makeup look today? After chatting about Colorado and their plans in the U.S. this year, I, of course, wanted to know about their hydration testing and some of the protocols behind them.
4: Yeah. So we've we've actually made just some slight changes to the protocol. It's We just do it one day prior to the event. Now, it, it was two days prior and then one day prior. And then it used to be the day of the event. If you missed on those two days that you had the day of the event that you could retest as well now
0: we just do it the day prior and then there's a three hour window where you can come back in and make weight this is something i didn't know before he mentioned being part of the team that helped develop all this i was part of the team with with our
4: uh head of competition matt hume who set up this hydration protocol i mean i've literally collected urine samples myself when we first started doing this before we actually you know like testing it within the organization so i've gone from i like i understand the, the way this process is front to back now i haven't been part of the like obviously i don't do that now i haven't been i, I i'm not there for the hydration testing i don't oversee it anymore so on that side of things like i'm not watching I, I know the way that the protocol works but i'm not hands-on like you know checking things
0: but i wanted to get down to it now first things first why did they feel there's been a slew of weight misses as of late
4: okay i, I don't have any data to say like if there really is an uptick or not I'll just say this, that if there is an uptick in people missing weight, this bec- because of COVID and because of the complexity of Fight Week and running two tests back to back days, the psychology of weighing in is still there. So there's been, uh, you know, an adjustment for the athletes that come into our organization because every other organization in the world still uh, well, I shouldn't use a superlative like that, but the norm is that weight cutting, is that is the norm.
0: If I'm being honest watching this back, I'm not sure this satisfies anything about my questions from 2016 to 2019. I mean, it's hard to find any results of that time of anyone missing weight. But all that aside, I had to ask if he knew of any methods that people have done to try to cheat the tests.
4: Are there athletes that are trying to game the system? I'm sure there are. And, and, and I'm sure there are methods where you could... Figure out a, a, an extra pound or two here and there, and, and of which I'm not really aware of how to do. Like I, I have no clue. We've had athletes that have tried to, for example, water sleep and gotten caught doing these kind of things because we they literally watch them urinate into into the cups, and then there's a, a chain of command where the cup is sealed and then it's passed on to the doctor, and then the doctor. You know, the technician with the uh, refractometer will test this thing. So there are safeguards obviously against this.
0: Now it was time to ask what I'd learned from Oliver Barley. Was he aware of this method?
4: Realistically, I would wonder, I'll just, I'll say this on the the PhD scientist is talking about this. Do they have data on people actually doing this to show that it can be done? Or is it just uh, an idea in theory? Hold on, help people do this for our organization?
0: Really? Well, that's good to know. Interestingly enough, he thought I was talking about something totally different.
4: If someone is able to water load, for example, with distilled water, perhaps. I I don't don't know the science behind that, you know, whether and how much that can actually affect things or not. Um, So, I mean, perhaps it can make a little bit of a difference. But at the end of the day, it's still going to. I don't know how you can water load enough. I mean, the stomach the stomach can only hold so much water, right? Like you can't even hold a full gallon of water. So you can only put so much water in the stomach and, and th- that all that has to be processed out. So I don't. it's not like you can still lose eight to 10 pounds by trying to just drink a bunch of distilled water. This PhD scientist you're talking about, they make a valid point, but at the end of the day, you're still not cutting those 22 and 23 pounds if it is possible to do such a thing.
0: Okay, so just so you all know what water loading actually is, it's pretty much the exact opposite of what we are talking about here. Essentially, some fighters will overload their bodies with water to such a degree before their weight cut starts so that by the time they do, their body basically is overhydrated to such a degree that their system readily sweats out water in a way that's supposed to help with their weight cut. This is definitely dangerous in its own right with water toxicity and other things that can happen, but what we were talking about here was using distilled water towards the end of the weight cut, not before. I explained that a fighter would essentially cut too much weight on purpose, as Oliver stated, to the point of severe dehydration, fill their bladders up with a bit of pure water to fool the tests, and this, was his response yeah so that you're not so that you're
4: not adding electrolytes into the system yeah i mean yeah it makes sense i just i don't know i I mean if this is going on I, i don't know i like i'm sitting here i'm in my head i'm like oh god
0: there is anything this video is trying to do it's to shed a light on this incredibly complex issue A man's life was taken due to a failed weight cut in 2015. There are ways to cheat this new system, or it could even be considered worse by people who have dedicated their entire life's work to it, one would hope both sides are just as motivated to solve this problem. And one thing I didn't really get time to discuss with Rich on the call, because it was such a short half an hour call that we are limited to, was their post-fight weigh-in protocol that recently was introduced. So as of now, it's currently being updated, but their PR team wanted to let me know how this prevents huge weight cuts as well, because the fighters will have to weigh in immediately after the bout, and once the medicals are concluded with their final weigh-in. As the rule states, the competitors can only have gained 5% more than their final weigh-in weight. So just to give you guys an example, if you're fighting at 170, you could only be 5% above that, meaning you'd have to weigh in at 178.5 pounds or under to pass the final test. I'm told the penalties are currently being updated, but if you fail three times your post-fight weigh-in, that could lead to being banned from the weight class and you would have to move up permanently. I wasn't given a statement on what the new punishments will be under the new rules, but they did say fight bonuses would be lost and a portion of the fighter's purse. Under the old system, before these new rules are coming into place, their total earnings would be dashed in half. And that's fairly punitive, I would have to say. You really don't wanna fail a test like that and go through those penalties. And at this stage, I wanted to give Oliver Barley a chance to respond. And to my surprise, he was willing to jump on a call again the very next day. So if someone does that, but then they just
2: eat food, so they've dieted, they're not, they're empty stomach and they're salt and fiber cut. You might get 4% off that. You could even, some people get five. So they just eat food and they're already at that 5%. Is it really unfair? If I fight someone with a steak dinner in my stomach versus not, if fighter safety is the reason that you're doing it, the secondary weigh-in and limiting it so people can't compete if they miss it is almost definitely not the optimal strategy. You've reduced someone's rehydration. They're not going to rehydrate as well. And then what you get are people competing possibly more dehydrated than they would have been if you just let them cut the weights and not check them a second time. If someone's competing in a state of dehydration, then there is evidence to, and it's plausibly, it's reasonable to say that this is a definite possible case, is that we know that when you de- someone de- dehydrates, their brain volume reduces, and that's because there's obviously water inside the brain. And when you pull fluid out of your cells, that includes the brain. So the brain ends up with a smaller volume, meaning it can rattle around in the skull more. And we know that cerebrospinal fluid is affected by dehydration, which plausibly could mean that it doesn't serve cushioning nearly as well. So if someone's taking hits to the head in a state of dehydration, it is reasonable to assert that there is a good chance that that increases their risk of not just concussion, but minor damage to the brain that accumulates into CTE.
0: So essentially, this is the concern. Fighters will continue to try to work around it because they think it will give them the edge.
2: Someone is probably in the midst of writing a comment saying, well, fighters just wouldn't do that, bro. Like, and my response to that, if you think, no, fighters wouldn't do that, that's bad for the hell, that's bad. Talk to a fighter. Like, it's obvious that they will sacrifice a lot to win and they will sacrifice a lot more than being kind of hungry or being slightly dehydrated relative to everything they do that's tiny relative to the pain they put themselves through in training the pain they go through in fighting the discipline and effort they have to have this is nothing to them and also this runs the risk of making more making fighters think that they're smarter by tricking it so going you know what everyone else is now probably cutting less weight so if I do it and I
0: trick the test I will now get a bigger advantage I think for Dr. Barley, it comes down to this.
2: I know like a good portion of the researchers in weight cutting. I don't know a single one of them that one has reached out to. In fact, I know several who have tried to work with one FC and have been turned away, which was me. I off. I contacted them years ago when they started this and said I would help and contacted and said, look, we're, I this is, we're, I'm glad that you guys are trying this. Let's. Let's do it. Let's, let's see what we can get done and try to develop saying, hey, we should do research in this area. You guys have a lot of resources that we can make real good use of at a university level and we can conduct research in Singapore. We actually had an industry partner in Singapore at the time that could have helped us do it. We were in a really good position to work with them and actually do that, but we were turned away and they they weren't interested in the scientists.
0: And so at this stage, I think it's fair to say there are people very clearly on both sides of this discussion who are really trying hard to solve this problem. But I'm concerned it may be as Dr. Barley stated.
2: The, The problem is, is that everybody wants simple answers to complicated questions.
0: And guys, this is the one thing that really stands out to me beyond everything else. Between the time of Yan Jiang Bing's tragic death on December 11th, 2015, there was only 12 days until they announced the new policy December 23rd, 2015. 12 days to solve one of the most endemic problems in MMA history. Um, perhaps I could give them the benefit of the doubt to say maybe they were working on this before they ever announced it, but there's nothing to indicate that. And in my opinion, that should be in development for years, not less than two weeks. To me, it feels a little bit like someone saying that they've come up with a solution to solve PEDs in MMA. How could 12 days possibly be enough time is my question. And so in my opinion, while hydration tests sound like they fit the bill perfectly, almost like a great marketing slogan, I mean, it's called hydration testing. It just sounds good. But nothing I'm able to find on this subject backs up those claims. And to go even further, what Dr. Barley says here seems to be the real reason why. It was never intended for athletes in the first place. All right, guys, we made it. i want to give a special shout out to everybody that I interviewed during the course of this video, everybody from Rich Franklin to Dr. Oliver Barley, Tom Coughlin. We've got Jose Shorty Torres, as well as Adam Rohrbach. Everybody was incredibly helpful throughout the entirety of this process. I've got links to everybody down in the description so you can go check them out and find out a little bit more of what they're trying to say. The one key thing that I want you guys to take away from this beyond everything else is we're not looking for a boogeyman here. We're not looking to point at somebody and tell them that they're bad. What we're trying to do here is find a solution to this problem and at least inch us away from what potentially is a bad solution to that problem. So I hope you guys enjoyed the video. I had a blast putting it together and I learned a lot here. Let me know what you all thought and we'll talk about in the comments.